Blog Talk Radio. everyone and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm your host, Marie Hewitt, and I just can't believe it's 2010. I feel so sci-fi now. I don't know how sci-fi my guests are today, but who knows? My first guest, Paul Heath, has developed a special emergency pet carrier that has some pretty incredible features. I don't think Arthur C. Clarke included them in any of his stories, but... Oh, well. Still, it's pretty cool, and I think you're really going to like it. Then later, Lance Hunter from the Baldwin Park Animal Shelter will be stopping by to recap how 2009 went at his shelter and what his hopes are for 2010. It's about time that every homeless pet finds a forever home, and maybe 2010 will be the year that we start seeing some positive changes. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of shelter animals We'll be talking about this and a lot more right after a quick station message. So don't touch that dial or knob or button or sensor. Keep your radio tuned right here to Retro 1260 for more of the Pet Place. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm very pleased to introduce our first guest of the morning, Paul Heath from FussyCat.com. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you, Marie. It's great to be here. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. I'm very happy to have you because I always like to remind our listeners about emergency preparedness for their pets because so often animals are overlooked when emergencies happen, and here in Southern California, we have fires, we have landslides, we have earthquakes, you name right. it. And right. you've exactly. developed a very special product for small pets, and Absolutely. I'd like you to share it with us. All righty. Well, it is exactly that, and, and uh, this is based on a family invention that my parents came up with, actually. Uh, originally was a fully enclosed disposable cat litter box, and they designed it to be able to use for that. But we adapted it, especially after Katrina. We saw the um, all the, the heartache with the pets that had to be left behind, like you said, and, and got to thinking, um, you know, in, in a lot of emergency situations, people forget uh, where they have things or they can't get to them. There's not enough time if they have to get out of the house right away, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So we, we got to thinking, and I looked at our products and said, you know, this could be a great emergency kit because... It folds down to a compact size. It's only about three and a half inches high when it's folded. Um, it's flat. It's in a neat box. It's uh, printed with a white outer covering so that it looks nice on the shelf, which makes it easy to keep at hand. Um, and because it doesn't fold down completely flat like other carriers, there's room in there to store emergency supplies. Okay. And so with that three and a half inch space, we filled that with emergency supplies that the pet can use. Um, so that it can stay on a shelf, stay out of the way. It can stand on edge or lay down flat on the shelf and uh, still be out of the way. But when you need it, it's right there in your living space where you can grab it and go, which is, you know, the definition of an emergency is, is sure. that you need to be prepared to go at a moment's notice. If there's, you know, a lot of times with, like, the wildfires, you have uh, you have a notice, but an earthquake, you may not. Um, you know, I think about uh, a couple of years back, there was a big gas leak with a uh, plant back in the Midwest, and they went door-to-door and said, you have to get out of the house now uh, and leave this area, 
and, and so there's if if your emergency kit is stored in the garage or the basement or out of the way, you may not have time to, to get to it or may not remember where it is. Whereas we designed this box to be right there, so you've got. You it. could probably also just throw it in your trunk. Exactly, and actually that is one of the recommendations of the experts for emergency preparedness is to have more than one kit, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, we'd love to see people have. Um, the, the recommendation is to have one in your home close at hand, to have one in the trunk of any vehicle that you use in an RV, and then store one out of the way in a garage or basement or something like that as well, so that if it's like an earthquake and, say, the house is damaged but you can get into the garage, you still have one available, that sort of thing. So having yeah. multiple kits around is a great idea. It's hard to really think of making multiple kits. I think if people even get one kit, that's surprising. Yes. And everybody always wants to, yeah, I'm going to get around to that. I'm going to do it eventually. And and then all of a sudden an emergency hits and they're not prepared. Right. So having something like this that's so compact and so easy, I just think that's wonderful. And I'm so pleased that you're doing it. And I read also in some of your information that you gave me a little earlier that you can put human stuff into this also. Absolutely. We actually have. And part of the reason for that is that, uh, you know, the experts say, and in our estimation as well, um, we pet owners, the people who take care of our pets, are their first and best line of defense in emergency. We're the ones that are there to take care of them, just like children. Uh-huh. And we're the ones that take care of them. So, I, you know, I think about the situation of uh, an airline where they say, put your mask on first, then take care of your child so that you're taken care of. We tried to provide some items in the kit to take care of a person as well as their pet. So that uh, with the thought in mind that if you had the kind of emergency where you only had time to grab your pet and the carrier box, uh, our fussy cat box, and go, the person, the owner, the pet's person is not left out. Okay. There are some, there's some food, there's some water, there's some uh, first aid supplies for a person. There is a light stick to see if it happens to be at night. There's uh, matches in case you need to do a fire, if you have to sterilize anything or mm-hmm. boil some water, anything like that. So we wanted to include some supplies for the person as well with the hope, of course, with all of these that people never have to use them. But if they find themselves uh, s- stuck out somewhere with nothing else, the person at least is is taken care of uh, to a small extent as well as the pet. So you'd still have to make um, a a much bigger emergency supply kit for your family, but at least you're kind of backed up. Right, right. And and again, if you keep these in the trunk of your car, you've got something for the people as well as the pet. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Having an emergency kit for your family members is, is a separate kit from your pet kit, but Ideally, you want to keep some items in both of those sure. for both situations. The One of the great advantages to our pet kit as well, besides being easily storable, is that it actually opens up to a full-size carrier. Okay, and does it assemble pretty easily, or yeah. should you yep. practice ahead of time? Well, you know, it never hurts to practice anything, um, so I wouldn't discourage people from practicing it, but it's a matter of folding open the sides, bringing up the ends, snapping the sides together, and locking the handle um, tabs together. So you don't need so, to read a lengthy instruction manual. That's no. pretty intuitive. Pretty intuitive, pretty simple. There are a total of one, two, three, four, five, six locking areas that bring it all together as a carrier. Okay. Uh, and, of course, a- another advantage to this sort of thing is that it can be set up if you, like the wildfires that we recently had here in Southern California, if, if you know there's a possibility, you can set it up and have it there in advance. Sure. Um, uh-huh. And if the if it passes and you don't have to evacuate, you just close it back down, put it right back on the shelf, it's ready to go again. 
Now, for people who have a lot of animals, I imagine that's going to be pretty overwhelming, trying to get them all loaded up in a moment's notice to evacuate. Do you have any tips for what people with multiple pets can do? Um, well, well, you know, one good tip is to keep something at hand to be able to guide them and control them, as it is with everybody, even with us. Um, in an emergency situation, it becomes very stressful. People become rattled. Uh, pets are the same way. They get scared. They may hide, those sorts of things. Um, we've included a small blanket in the kit that you can use to actually wrap a pet. If you have multiple pets, you want to have multiple uh, leads and collars or harnesses on hand. Um, ours comes with one, and then you could order more to fill in there as well. So if you had, you know, three cats, for example, and they're not all going to fit in one box then. No. Um, but you can have boxes for each of them. You can open up one or you can take them all flat. But if you have the leads and harnesses inside, you can take them with you, then set up the box when you get to where you're going. And another great advantage to our box is that it then becomes uh, whatever you need it to be. It can be a shelter. It can be a bed. As I mentioned, we include a blanket in there that can work as padding. We include litter in there so that it can be used as a litter box. Okay. Um, you know, so it can become whatever the situation requires. Uh, part of that thinking was based on the idea that the shelters um, sometimes don't take pets, and, yeah. and you have to put them in a different location. Mm-hmm. So having this box available for them um, gives them a place to go. Okay. Um, plus the fact that you've stored it in your house gives it familiar sense, which can be calming, to, a little bit soothing in the sure. event of an emergency. Absolutely. It's not you're not throwing them into a, a new cage. They've got their own place. Um, it's even the kind of thing, like you mentioned earlier, you could set up and practice with it and show the pet and put them in it a couple of times to let them just see what it's, it's like. It probably and, isn't a good idea if you have multiple pets to do some practice runs, maybe even once yes. a month with your whole family so everybody yeah. is really familiar with the routine and your pets don't freak out and they learn how to go into the box and right. how to go into the car and, and know that everything's okay. Right. My father was a firefighter, and uh, that's what he retired from, and... Um, uh, that was one thing he always talked about with us was practicing uh, because, in again, in an emergency situation, it's it's a bit frazzling. And so if you have prepared ahead of time, and that doesn't mean, you know, doing a rigid by-the-book sort of drill, but just practicing coming in, going out, sure. like I said, setting up the box, they, they're familiar with it, practicing having collars and harnesses on them, that sort of thing. Yeah, it can make it a lot less stressful if you if if the time comes that you actually have to use that. Because you know then what you do. don't have to think about it. It's second nature. Right, exactly. As opposed yes. to trying to figure out, what am I supposed to do now? Right, you're comfortable with it, and you already have an idea ahead of time of what's going on. And, and uh, Yeah. Now, the box you've brought in today is cardboard, so I suspect mm-hmm. there's some weight limitations. What is the range? I know there's some awfully large kitties out there. I have a 22-pound Maine Coon. Okay. Would he fit in one of these boxes? Yes, yeah, and cats are naturally denning uh, animals anyway, so they don't mind oftentimes going into things. It will be a little bit tight for him at 22 pounds, but it won't be impossibly so. But it won't fall apart with that kind of weight. It, it won't fall apart um, because it's a heavy-duty corrugated cardboard, and okay. um, we have um, a proprietary triple bottom uh, that gives it additional strength, so it's not just a single layer of cardboard. It's also coated with a... a um, biodegradable material inside that is a water-resistant material. Okay. So if there's any fluid, uh, it will help prevent the cardboard from falling apart. Oh, that's great. Um, and and uh, the uh, top is doubled where the handle is. is a double layer of cardboard with the handle so that 
again, you get that extra strength of the cardboard. This is the same kind of cardboard that they use for our heavy-duty shipping cartons. Okay. Um, you know, the 275-pound test sort of carton that uh, it sounds pretty well carry designed. a lot of weight. Where can somebody get one of these cat carriers? Right now, they're available through our store. We've got a storefront on, uh, online, a website uh, storefront, which is at www.fussycat.com. Okay. Um, and generally, if you put that in the address bar, it works better because we're new enough. We don't have a lot of hit yet, hits yet on Google, so we're not showing up high on the ranking. We're on, like, the 13th page or something. Oh, no. But we're working on getting out there. That's, uh, okay. that's part of what we're working on, getting known so that people can find us. Okay. And, and what do the, the carriers go for, approximately, price range? Well, they're actually... There, there is a, um, a price range that's $54.95 okay. uh, per carrier. And what um, does that include? That includes all of the items. There are over 78 items in there, like I said, things for both the pet and the uh, person. Um, it includes food for the pet. And because of the nature of the box, it can work for lots of different animals as well. Um, that's something that we are just now instituting this month. We'll be getting that set up to where uh, if you have a ferret instead of a cat, or if you've got a rabbit or a chinchilla, or if you have reptiles, if you have a turtle or a lizard, or you've got birds, okay. um, you know, outside of very I'd large I'd be a little concerned about putting a rabbit or a bird, an animal that chews cardboard up pretty easily, mm-hmm. into a cardboard box. Have you um, looked into this type of animal and the, the potential well, risks there and there possibly would be using the a different type of material? Yeah, yeah. We've looked at the possibility of using plastic. Um, part of the reason we we're with cardboard right now is that that was our original uh, run. Okay. Um, there is a possibility of developing the hard-sided sort of uh, carrier uh, down the road. Okay. Um, the cardboard, though, even for the animals that will chew, um, generally, again, as an emergency evacuation product um, to get them out somewhere, sure. it still works as a carrier for them. They, they're generally not going to go through it uh, so fast that... Um, you can't get them out of the situation. You have not met my parrot. <laughs> oh yeah, they'll, they'll work on it. They'll be they'll be fast. They'll but, be out um, of it in about ten minutes. <laughs> well, and see, that's okay. I, I mean, yeah, that's not ideally, but yeah, uh-huh. again, you're getting them, for example, from the house to the car sure, so you can get out of sure. the area. Well, just you some know. just some future engineering. Uh, Recommendations oh, for you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and we're not stopping with just this idea either. Um, part of our, our uh, concept is to have both a lower-end box that will be usable. You know, I, we've talked to um, a nonprofit group, the, the American Humane Association, and they're interested in the possibility of using it with domestic violence shelters. Oh, great. Where, where people have to evacuate a home and they, they want to take a pet with them. Um, that would be the kind of thing where we'd have a more basic box with just water and litter in it so that um, they could bring a pet in. It would have a place to be, and, and it's, again, easy to store. It's easier to keep than uh, keeping, like, the plastic buckets or the bags that, um, you know, you generally can't carry the pet in anyway. Okay. meets many different uh, goals. And, yes, doing a plastic-sided one down the road, I think, is something that we're going to be looking at. Um, Fabulous. So lots of developments. We're excited for Let's all the things ahead. Let's Absolutely. Paul, I'm always happy to have guests here that offer families tools to cope with emergencies and keep their pets safe. So thank you for stopping by today. Thank you, Maria. I appreciate the chance to be here. It's been a great uh, time to talk with you. It's time for our halftime break, but when we come back, Lance Hunter from the Baldwin Park Animal Shelter will be paying us a visit and updating us on all the news from his organization and how you can adopt a pet. It will be a lot of fun, so keep it tuned to Retro1260 for more of the Pet Place Radio Show. Thank you. 
Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I am delighted to welcome a longtime friend of the Pet Place and myself, Lance Hunter. Hi, Lance. How are Hi, you? Hi, Marie. How are you doing? I'm so glad you could make it to the radio show. You've been on the Pet Place TV show for years and years and years, and I met yes. you way back when I was an animal control officer, and we were both bringing animals on the TV show Most for adoption. Yeah. It's been a long time. And you time. are the head honcho over at the Baldwin Park Animal Shelter. I am now, yes. <laughs> Actually, where I began my career as a kennel attendant. Wow. Yeah. How long have you been with the system now? The system as a whole, animal control, over 20 years. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, Baldwin Park was nine. Then I went to the city, uh-huh. uh, San Clemente, for, I was there 11 years and came back now as manager. It's been four years. Amazing. Yeah. And you still love it. I still love it. I still love it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's hard working in a county system or a city system because you just see so many dogs and so many cats, and and they're beautiful animals, and you do your best to get them all adopted, and sometimes it doesn't work out, and and I know it takes a toll after a while. Most definitely it does. But you are doing your best to get them into homes. And we have... Many great new uh, innovative programs going on at the shelter. Tell me a little bit. I know you've been doing a lot of adoption events off-site, which is fabulous. A lot of adoption events off-site. We also have, we're working with a lot of rescue groups, and I don't know if people have heard of uh, Best Friends. Yes, they've Uh, been on the show. Right. Yeah, they have a program that uh, we started at the shelter called Pup My Ride. (laughs) Yeah, and the Baldwin Park Shelter, we have a lot of small dogs, so they take, uh, now it's up to two to three times a month, about 20 to 30 smaller dogs who outside oh, shelters wow. from a van. They have a van that, uh, I don't know if people have heard of, the uh, Jason Heigl Foundation, which is Catherine Heigl's uh, brother and Nancy Heigl, which is her mother. They have a foundation that they fund the program uh, to take all the animals to other shelters. So Best Friends Alone has, has rescued over 2,000 dogs, taking them out to Utah, taking them up to Oregon, into Washington, uh, getting the dogs out of the shelter, and in, as soon as they get to the other shelters, they're adopted ASAP. Oh, and and that's because the Baldwin Park Animal Shelter doesn't necessarily have a lot of uh, adoptable families within its, you know, close by range. Right, right. And and that must make it really difficult for you guys. Most definitely. You get lots yeah. of animals in, but not a lot of people wanting to take them out. Correct. And they're beautiful animals too. Wonderful animals. So, Seriously. So how do you market, and how do you try to reach people outside of your sphere of influence? Well, uh, we're trying to get more and more volunteers in. We're doing, as you mentioned earlier, the off-site adoptions. Uh, we've been trying to go to Petco and PetSmart. Uh, we've been doing parks uh, and also opening our doors to uh, rescue groups. We have another one that uh, is Animal Advocates Alliance, and they go to Pan Pacific Park in the city of Los Angeles, uh, twice a month and they do adoption events there they take a lot of our animals out and also get the word out about the the Baldwin Park Animal Shelter to save animals lives oh that's wonderful yeah we've actually in the last year we cut our euthanasia rate in, in half getting all this stuff really yeah, oh that's amazing it's, it's it's confusing and crazy at times <laughs> but it's truly truly working in the rescues and just having people come in and adopt mm-hmm. has really made a, a huge difference you know, I think of uh, all of you guys at the shelters um, as just heroes for animals. I know you're always struggling with the 
the public view of um, you guys as being the bad guys and the, the puppy killers and that sort of thing, which you're not. Right. And I think people forget that the shelters aren't the problem. It's irresponsible pet ownership that's the problem. Right. And I know you guys are trying to deal with that as well. What are some of the programs you have going on that help counter some irresponsibility out there? Well, we the county has, uh, since they, they enacted some time ago, the, the spay-neuter ordinance. Uh, they also have a spay-neuter department where people that are low income can contact our, the county spay-neuter department and they will uh, help get the animal adopted. Uh, I'm sorry, not adopted, uh, altered for them. Okay. Uh, they pay a small fee and just have to have some proof of income type thing, and we can get the animal uh, altered at the shelter. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, and I mentioned earlier about the Jason Heigl Foundation. Uh, Nancy Heigl uh, has come to me and asked about doing uh, spay-neuterings on a Saturday. We're, sh- we're tr- crunching numbers now to try to uh, have her fund that so on a Saturday public can come in and get the animals altered at the shelter okay. uh, on a weekend. Uh, oh, that she so she wants to fund. So we're still, like I mentioned, crunching numbers. But I think getting the word out there about spay neutering, uh, microchipping to make sure animals get back home and so forth and so on. But do you find that there's still a lot of resistance uh, to spay and neuter somebody's pet, or you know, their one's own pet that they still feel like they they shouldn't have to do it and they don't want to do it? Yes, I mean not as much as it used to be, but it is still there. And actually, as I was leaving to come here. I overheard one of the clerks talk to a gentleman that was in the front that discussed, I don't want to have my dog neutered. Uh-huh. And she was mentioning, no, you got to understand the health benefits and, you know, so forth and so on. And basically told him, we understand, you know, sometimes men and me being one is that, you know, the big thing is I don't want my animal altered. I don't want my male dog neutered. And she was just letting them know the positive aspect of it. But it's it's still kind of out there. Sure. And I think a lot of people project their own feelings onto their animals, like they wouldn't want to be neutered, and so obviously their animals wouldn't want to be neutered, but yes. I don't think an animal even knows when it's been neutered. At all. I, all the dogs I've ever seen after coming home from being altered, they're running around and playing, having a good time, and they have no clue. No clue whatsoever. And they're happy. Happier and they don't ever. have the urge to run away from home anymore. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. And yeah. we always stress that among people that, you know, the dog will get out to mate. So we got to make sure we get them neutered. And that way your license fee goes down. You don't pay the mandatory state fine that there mm-hmm. is now. You know, there's so many benefits. What What is the it. difference in the license fee? Is it like half off? It's about half off, right. Yeah. So that an, alone pays for the cost of spaying and neutering over the lifetime of your pet. Oh, most definitely. That's, That's an excellent point. And then yeah. microchipping. I know right. a lot of people will put a collar and tag on their pet, but somehow or another the pet loses the collar and tag. But if they have a microchip, you right. guys scan for them, right? And I also want to stress here that uh, if they, the county offers free microchipping to anyone within our service area. All no six county shelters, we service wow. almost all of L.A. County. If it's an area we service, unincorporated areas as well as city, it's free microchipping. I didn't know that. When did yes. you guys start doing that? Well, it's been going on for maybe two years now. We had a gentleman oh, from the wonderful. Found Animals Foundation donated a, a million microchips to the county, so we're able to free microchip every single animal. They, oh, we have that microchip is clinics. Wonderful. Uh, they come in, and all they need to do 
is it's a free registration with us at the county, but mm-hmm. if they want to register it with AVID at Microchip, they pay an extra $6 to where it's in their national database. Sure. If not, they just go through the county, which is basically the same thing. Okay. Yeah. So if you get a dog Microchip or mm-hmm. a cat and you move away, but it's been registered with the county, mm-hmm. and another shelter scans it, it will call the county, and you'll still have all that owner information. Most on definitely, file. yes. So the database doesn't expire after a couple yes. years if you Lifetime. don't renew it. Okay. Lifetime registration with us, and if they pay the extra $6 with AVID, then it's it's with AVID as well. But free microchipping. Check out our website for that. Wow. That uh, is just, I'm thrilled to hear all oh, about it's, that. It's, so many great stories of animals getting back home because of the microchipping. It's it, They can't talk, but if they have some sort of identification, that does all the talking for them. Yes. Now, yes. you guys have some special events coming up. I know you've done a lot of special events last year. Are there any special things you want to tell us about right now? Let's see. Well, as I, I mentioned, we're continuing doing the Pup My Ride. Now we have another uh, shelter that wants to get the same program going. Uh, so we're going to be doing another one uh, to the state of Oregon, uh, kind of the Pup My Ride, getting the animals out, but always doing the uh, Pan Pacific Park uh, once or twice a month. Okay. Uh, they can go to the Animal Advocates Alliance uh, website to get the specific dates for that, uh, bestfriends.org uh, to learn about the Pup My Ride program. And Lance, so I'm going to have you give out your adoption website really fast because we only have just about a minute left, and I want to make sure everybody knows that you've got a lot of beautiful animals and they're oh, online. Yeah. So how do people take a look at them online? They can go to uh, www.animalcare.lacounty.info, and that will bring you to the website, and they can pick what county shelter would be closest to you out of the six. And you can view the adoptable animals on there. And you can also learn about the microchip clinics, the low-cost vaccination clinics that we hold at the shelters as well. Okay. And do you have a phone number also that they could call? Yes. For the Baldwin Park Shelter, is area code 626-962-3577. But you're also welcome to call that number and get in contact with the other shelters as well. Perfect. Lance, I know it seems like a never-ending struggle to find homes for all the animals that end up in your shelter, but let's hope that 2010 starts with a new positive trend in adoptions and redemptions and that more people realize they need to spay and neuter their pets they already have. Most definitely, (laughs) yes. Thanks for talking with us today. Thank you for having me. It's time to take our last break of the morning, but when we return, we've got Pet Place news and events, so please stay tuned to the Pet Place radio show here on AM 1260. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Our friends at Cuddly Canines are in desperate need of foster families to house and train adoptable dogs and puppies. These wonderful dogs come from overcrowded shelters and are slated for euthanasia simply because there is no room available and their time is up. You can help save these lives. All you have to do is offer a little love, care, patience, and space. Cuddly Canines will do all the rest. Please visit www.cuddlycanines.com to find out more. That's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please stay or new to your pets. 
and have a wonderful day.